welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelife.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. Welcome to uh, Shelter Cove. I'm Ed Kelly, and uh, I have the privilege of working with the staff here. And today we're going to be going through um, a text that J.O., our senior pastor, wanted me to share as he's gone uh, this weekend. And it's 1 Corinthians 9, 19 and following. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to that. The ushers will come by at some point with a Bible. If you don't have a physical one, you'd like that. But we're going to be talking about what is the purpose in life, our life. And I'm going to make a promise to you that today you are going to find out what God's holy, specific will is for you. Not only in 2023, but for your whole life. Now, for those of you who have never been with me when I've uh, given a sermon, I just want to apologize now because I'm pretty feisty. And I I guarantee if you're sensitive, you're not going to like this even a little. But the the bottom line is try to get by that and listen to what the text is trying to tell us. Okay? I'll make you that promise. I think uh, I've probably heard a thousand times uh, from people Uh, in my pastoral career, uh, how do I know what God's will is for me? Now, I have a specific system about that. Uh, One of the very first parts of that system is the thing we're going to talk about today, and that is study of the scripture tells you exactly what God wants from you in this life. I'll give you a little bit of help. For those of you taking notes, uh, I'm going to give you three scriptures that you can take a look at a little deeper later, but Micah 6, 8 says, he has shown you, O man, what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So it's very simple. What's the Lord requiring of you if you're a believer in this room? It is to love justice. It is to love mercy. It's to love humility in your life. Very simple. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Talking about God's judgment at some point in the second coming. So what's it say? It says that God wants us to live such good lives, that is godly lives, things based on the scripture, among people who don't believe. And even though they might get mad at you, They can at least see your good deeds. Now, I believe Christians should be in the public square. I believe that in social media. I believe that in public media. I think that's also true in community. I believe we are to be there. Because the world needs to see Christians who are actually on fire for this thing called the kingdom. We can't be hiding. Psalm 37, 4 says, take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him. You want God's will in your life? It's very simple. Delight in him and make him a part of your daily, maybe even moment by moment existence and commit your way. I've had many people ask me these questions and they always are looking for some aha moment when it comes to direction from God and 
And the fact is, he's already given us a direction specifically. And I believe that when you study the scripture and you have the Holy Spirit leading you with the knowledge of what you know from the scripture and the spirit and that still small voice, I believe you find God's will from that point forward as you go through the Christian walk. Now, 1 Corinthians 9.19, let me just read it to you and we'll, go, we'll put it up on screen so you can follow along. This is NIV, by the way. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Paul's talking here. To win as many as possible. Catch that word, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to what? To win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I, key, key verse. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Why? I do all this for the sake of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, today you're going to find two points in your sermon notes. One is, yes, you're free. You've turned your life over to Christ. You're free to do whatever it is you wish, but it's free for a purpose. I would argue that the Bible says that you were purchased with a price and that you are not your own. The cross has purchased you from the sin in our life, in all of our lives, and yet you and I have a purpose in this life. A guy last service came up to me, tears in his eyes. He says, "That's the first, he's probably 60 years old. That's the first time I've always wondered what my purpose. I've always felt kind of down. Your purpose is to win the lost. What does win mean? It means to win as many as possible for the sake of gospel. It means to bring to faith in Jesus and ergo save them from God's coming judgment, which is coming someday. You and I are to make ourselves a slave. That's what it says. And what a slave? A slave just means that I am now no longer me-centered. I am them-centered. And it's not the slavery you think of in, in the American history. This is the slavery of the Middle East, where it, the word is in Greek is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. You can look it up yourself. Some of your translations say servant. Uh, but the real word is slave. What it means is I am going to set aside my rights, my thinking, my preferences in order to reach somebody else for the kingdom. That's what it says. I can't, I can't really go any other way. It, it, it is what it is. It's simple uh, that we're to focus on winning others for the sake of the gospel. And that is to be at the forefront of our life, period, over and out. And he says, Paul says, if you're around Jews... He, he, those Jews, they keep commandments like, you know, food laws and ceremonial laws. Around Jews, I became like a Jew. And I followed that. Even though I'm free, I don't have to. But I submitted myself to them in order to reach them. Over here, the person who's not a believer, but they're not a Jew either, they don't have any of those laws and those, those routines, those ceremonies. Well, I got rid of those ones that I normally practice, and I did what they did. Notice the word in the, that text, if you look real close, it says, I became. 
What that means is, is that you and I have to consider what other people are like and what they value and make sure we remove any distraction of our own preferences. You follow that? In other words, we have to become something that we typically aren't. And these are all little preferences, but still it removes the distractions, which I will explain uh, for you in a more of a, you know, a modern sense. For those of you taking notes, Romans 14, 5 and 6 and Romans 13 through 15 says exactly the same thing. Paul says that we are to be careful about how other people perceive things in order for us to reach them. Romans 14.5 says, uh, if one person thinks that one day is special and the other guy doesn't, that's okay. Let them be. One person thinks one food uh, that is sacrificed idols shouldn't be eaten, but that guy over here thinks it should be. That's okay. Whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord. That's what it says. Romans 13 says this, instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. He says, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in and of itself. But if anyone regards something as bad, then for that person, it's bad or unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, talking about, you know, Middle Eastern mindset here, Jewish issues, you are no longer acting in love if you continue. Do not, by your own eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. You follow? Okay, put it in personal terms. I told you I'm going to be feisty here. It's going to be ugly. One guy thinks that wine and drinking alcohol is okay. He thinks nothing wrong with a Christian doing that. Other guy over here says, no, no, uh, it, it's really a problem. You can't do it. It's, it's a sin. Uh, my boss at uh, Christ Church in Seattle thought this. He hated alcohol. He really did. He had seen the, the damages of it, so he thought Christians should stay away from it. When I'm around Jeff Moorhead, you know what I do? I never talk about alcohol because I already know how he thinks about it. My boss in Washington, D.C., uh, in the church I served for six years before coming here, uh, he had a whole wine collection. He liked wine. He, every time we went out, we had a glass of wine. He didn't have any problem. The bottom line is, isn't whether or not one's right or wrong. The bottom line is, whenever you're running into trying to reach out to somebody and they think something is, is good or bad, well, then I can put away my own preference, my own thinking, and I can put away that. Another one that's modern now is tattoos. Uh, when, when my kids... Um, Sarah's probably 15, and she, she came to me and said, Dad, 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 Dad. I already knew I'm in trouble when she does this. I want a tattoo. Okay, neat. Uh, I want a Ferrari, your point? <laughs> I really think I can have a tattoo and be good. I, I, I don't care. It's not a biblical issue. I don't care if you have a tattoo or not. It's just that I got to look at it, honey, and I don't want it. I'll put it somewhere where you can't see it. I go, Sarah. I'll know it's there. No. Brother comes up. Same thing within a month. And his, his younger brother comes up. I want to tattoo that. Bo, you're 12. No. Um, my wife comes up. Honey, you should really let the... I, I want a tattoo. I, Susan. <laughs> Death do us part, but none of this tattoo stuff. Anyway, 
The bottom line is each one of them, when they turned 18, left the house and went to college and all that stuff, they all got tattoos, multiple tattoos, to my chagrin. And on, on each one of them, on their inside form, is the date of their grandmother's death, who was the godliest influence in their life. And they also put uh, her name in Hebrew. Now, I'm not a fan of tattoos, but it's just a preference. And if, if somebody you're trying to reach isn't a fan of tattoos and you've got tattoos everywhere for some ungodly reason, you need to put a long sleeve shirt on so you don't distract them when you're talking to them about the gospel. Conversely, if you're with a bunch of people that tattoos are their way of life and stuff and you've got them, well, wear a tank top. Well, I mean, not a tank top. I mean, not a tank top, but something that shows also you have something that you connect with them. It's not a biblical matter. The bottom line is you have to be all things to all men so that some can come to know him. And you can't be worried about your rights. You can't. The gospel goes above that. Uh, we have a couple people on our staff who are vegetarians or vegans or one of those. <laughs> Why, I don't know. But they uh, invited me to dinner one time uh, and it was right before COVID and COVID had just hit. Like, you know, and nobody could go anywhere. Oh, sorry, I can't come to dinner for your tofu turkey. <laughs> That's too bad. But the bottom line is, if I would have gone, I would have eaten it with a smile on my face. Why? Because I want to not only reach and encourage believers, but I, if it was somebody who was that way and they weren't a believer, I would learn about being a vegetarian. Did you know, which I just found this out today, the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan, which I thought were the same thing. A vegetarian will eat cheese. And a vegan has no animal product at all. Did you know that? I didn't care either. Okay, so. <laughs> Paul says, I will even become weak to reach the weak. Now, he's educated. He's an influencer. He's an elite guy. But to reach the weak, he puts all that aside. He doesn't talk about any of that. And he reaches down to whoever it is and engages them. Why? So that we can win people. Now, for those of you taking notes, here's the, where the notes start. This is the practical way that every one of you can follow and I believe can do God's will in this arena. I don't care how shy you are. I don't care if you've not ever talked about your faith ever. The first thing we do in actually reaching people, no matter what their bent is, the first thing is we notice them. It's my contention that the world is full of lonely people. Every poll I've ever seen about this topic about purpose and fulfillment has always mentioned how lonely people are in the midst of a crowd. That should not be in the church. The church should be the first people to notice others who are hurting and are lonely and really are as Henry David Thoreau once wrote, living lives of quiet desperation because they've lived life and there is nowhere in anywhere that they can find fulfillment outside of Jesus. 
And they're running a race that they can't win. And they're sad, and you can see it in their eyes. And those of us who know the Lord know that we are to notice people and engage people who are outside the flock of faith. Casting Crowns, one of my favorite Christian bands, wrote a song called, Does Anyone Hear Her? Now, you should write that down. If you've got a pen or a phone, Does Anyone Hear Her? by Casting Crowns. And you should go to YouTube and look up that video. Just make sure you have some Kleenex because it's a sad state of affairs. I'm going to read you the words. She is running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. She's trying, but the canyon's ever widening in the depths of her cold heart. She's an unbeliever, has no hope, desperate in some form. Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our steeple, with all the lost and lonely people, searching for the hope that's tucked away in you and me. Folks, you and I have the faith of the Lord, the the Savior of the world, the creator of the universe, and often we keep it inside, and we never share it to anybody. And that's just flat out wrong. That's flat out wrong. I don't mean being an evangelist. I mean caring for the lost and lonely who are clearly, well, they're searching. Does anybody see her? Can anybody see? She is yearning for shelter and affection that she never found at home. I fly a lot, two, three times a month. And I watch people on families and airports. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you right now, the American home is a disaster. It's a mess. I cannot tell you how people talk to one another, engage one another, or in some cases don't engage with anybody because they got their phone in their face every five seconds. The focus of the family's wrong. The pain is real. And kids nowadays have no stability And it's a mess. And this girl never found shelter and affection at home. She is searching for a hero to ride in, to ride in and save the day. And then walks in her Prince Charming. And he knows just what to say. Momentary lapse of reason. And she gives herself away. Dads, if you've got daughters... You better pay special attention to them, especially in their preteen and teen years. You know why? Because if you don't, somebody else will, and it won't be pretty. Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? If judgment looms under every steeple with lofty glances from lofty people who can't see past her scarlet letter, And we've never even met her. Folks, people have sin. You have sin. I have sin. And we are always fighting against that sin. That's one great thing about heaven. No more sin. But while we're here on earth, we've got to see people as they are. Loved by God, even though they're imperfect and dumb. Don't laugh too much because 
I'm dumb, you're dumb, right? Agreed? How many of you guys are dumb? From time to time, you're dumb. Oh, look at that. The rest of you, we have counseling. The bottom line, <laughs> the bottom line is, those people need Jesus more than they need their next breath. And you're the key to some of them. And they're going to be ugly and unlovely sometimes. And the sin is going to capture their heart. And they don't even know it. So what's the thing for you and me to do in your outline? You notice them. The lonely, the hurting, the ugly, the one. Second, you do a little research. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I, I was in a bathroom. I washed my hands. And this kid, 15 maybe, comes in, big long skateboard. And I had spent a half an hour right before that in, in the magazine section, Safeway, in Seattle, Washington. And I took out Skater World because I knew there was going to be some skaters at this youth thing I was doing. And I thought, man, I know nothing about skating. I hate skating. Skaters are so problematic. Ugh. So I thought I'd go read about what they were doing. It was Skater World. I didn't even know they had a magazine called Skater World. So I read, I, okay, huh, there's a, I need to write that down. I didn't buy the thing. I wasn't going to support this nonsense. But anyway, <laughs> but I learned a whole bunch of things about what it means to skate. And this kid comes in, and I go, hey, uh, what kind of truck you have on your skateboard? He looked at me like, because I look just like this. He goes, you know about trucks? I go, yeah, are those Universals or Meguiars? <laughs> he, he, his jaw hit the floor. Later that month, after I used a little bit of that magazine, 60 skaters were in my living room. Because skaters are a family. They're typically... Uh, have been rejected by some, and they gather together tight bonds. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to do a little research. Paul did in Athens at Mars Hill when he came up to all those philosophers and said, hey, I've been walking around your city the last couple of weeks, and you got gods everywhere. You've got one to an unknown god. Well, how did he know that? Because he did a little research. He knew he was going to talk to them. Etc. What's your neighbor interested in? What is your coworker? What's your family member you're trying to reach? What are they interested in? Do a little research. And then thirdly, become all things to all people. Which means giving up your rights, giving up your desires, as we said, give up your time, energy, and efforts in order to impact someone else. A skater, an alcoholic father in my case, bowlers, cops, police officers, the lonely. The lonely. 1999, I joined a bowling league. I was sick and tired of the Christian, uh, as pastor, Christian relationships because I, I could never run into anybody that wasn't a Christian. Big church, lots of meetings, etc. And so I just drove, spontaneously drove into this bowling and signed up for bowling. Make a very long story short, for three years I bowled with this team of five guys, all of who loved one thing, fireball whiskey. Now, Folks, I did not take shots like they were doing. You know, it's funny. First game, we would we'd kill the other team. Second game, not so much. Third game, they couldn't even hit the gutter. They were so wasted. Um, I did take one sip one time, and it burned my mouth. I thought, what in the world? You guys like this? But the funny thing is, I had a wordless bracelet on my wrist back then, and it showed God's plan. It showed 
black, little black band that had sin, that we're all sinners, and it had a little red band next to that, that the blood of Christ takes away the sin of the world. And if you believe in, in God and turn your life uh, over there, there's a cleansing, it had a white band, and then it talks about forgiveness, and then it talks about growth, and it talks about heaven, the yellow band. I shared that with Fireball Mike over here, and, and he was, look, guys, look at this. And the other team did too. I had 10 guys all around as I shared. It's my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, that in order to impact, we have to be in their world sometime. There has to be a balance between being in groups like I fully agree with and serving, but there's also this other side of us that has to join the PTA. We have to do the neighborhood watch. We have to engage something in the city council or school board, whatever. Because my Bible says to live our lives in front of people. The question is, how do you do that? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. It's in your outline. Real practical. Every one of you can do this. It's called to bless them. Bless. B-L-E-S-S. First, you begin with prayer. Just begin. Now, Christians give lip service to prayer. They'll say, I'll pray for you. They never do. Half of them. They never do. Don't you be that half. If you've got somebody important in your life, you're one that you're really thinking about, or, or, or a neighbor that you think they need Jesus really bad, every day, say a little prayer for them. That simple. L, listen to them. What makes them tick? One of the bowling guys, uh, he, he had gone to Alcoholic Anonymous, and he was, at one point in that bowling stint, he was on it. It's about a year, and he had gotten away from the, all the fireball. And as I was listening to him, he loved baseball. Well, I had season tickets with eight other guys to Seattle Mariners, which is a professional baseball team, much better than Dodgers. And, and anyway, you can strike that off the little tape there, Daniel. Um, and I said, hey, Paul, you want to go to the game? The A's are in town. Would you like to? And he said, yeah, six hours, up and down, the game, back. And that was 1999. And I tell you what, Paul and I have become very good friends. He's now in our, our fantasy baseball team league and has been for 23 years. He and I still connect. He's a truck driver. And yes, he has ups and downs, but I want to be in his life. So I have to listen to what makes someone tick and then jump in if I can. E is to eat with them. The Southern Baptist people are right as rain. Potlucks are godly. The fact is, food is an international language. Your, your friend who doesn't like God, one lady told me earlier this morning that hates God, hates God, hates God. Invite them to a dinner, a barbecue, uh, in and out. That'll get them. Just not Taco Bell. Taco Bell, that'll send them the other direction. The, but the bottom line is, the bottom line is, folks, I want you to know, there is no way to reach other people if you stay separate from them. You got that? So if you don't have a non-Christian friend, find one. I'm telling you, it's so important. S is serve them. 
Find out what their needs are. After all that listening, you should know something. Maybe they, maybe they need a babysitter for a night. Maybe they need a ride somewhere. Maybe they got a big, uh, you know, like uh, project in their house. See if you can help in some way. Serving breaks down walls of people who don't believe in Jesus. And S, share stories. Why? Because as they share your, their story with you, eventually it comes to you. I had a guy tell me... Uh, after the last service, he says one of the things that he learned a long time ago from a colonel in the Air Force, he said that that guy goes and finds somebody, wherever he goes, he flies a lot too, and he'd sit down next to a person that was the most tatted person, tattoos everywhere. And he would sit down, hey, how are you? Um, can't wait to get on the board, get going. Uh, hey, what tattoo do you have that's the most important in your mind? And he goes, well, this one right here. It's a, and eventually they tell their story. Well, don't be afraid of telling your story, how God used you. Or, or how God is super important to you. Or how God got you through something. Stories, when you share yourself with them, I'm telling you now, they really can make a difference for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. Got a call last week from my daughter, she lives in Charleston, South Carolina. She's 36. And she is going on and on. She does this to me all the time. She goes, Dad, I got somebody here, and they don't really understand about Jesus. And I've told them all about it, and, and they, got, they get hung up on A.D., B.C., and what before Christ and all that. Can you talk to them about it? So she puts him on speaker, and there's this guy. He comes on, hi, Mr. Kelly. You know, daughter tells me you know a lot of this stuff. And I go, yeah, I know a few things. Uh, and what's your question? And he tells me, I, I spent about 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes with this guy. Tell him all the stuff that he's got questions about. He goes, thanks very much, blah, blah, blah. Half an hour later, I get a video texted to me by my daughter of this 37-year-old executive Hopping around, dancing, whooping it up, going, yes, I finally found my purpose in life. Because she had explained the gospel, and he turned his life over to Christ right there. Now, I did a little dance, and you don't want to see, but at the same time. Now, my daughter is a pain sometimes. Just to be honest, man, of all the kids we had, she was trouble. Redhead, that should tell you something. <laughs> but when it comes to evangelism, when she, she learned the gospel at a very young age, and she has never stopped. Never. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to have our own focus, getting the gospel on our lips of our mouth, having it on our mind at all times, because you never know when God's going to send you a divine appointment where he's expecting you to engage the lonely, the tough. Now, I hear complaints all the time about this world. It's crazy, etc. And I agree. And I believe Christians should be in the public square, just as Paul was. But you know what really changes the world it's not voting, it's not issues, it's not some sort of fame or fortune. It really is simply the gospel. And you and I are the vehicle that God can use, and we get the privilege of engaging them. So notice them. Research their interests. Be all things to all people by blessing them. B-L-E-S-S. 
Quickly, following our text, another statement that complements the whole issue of God's will. It says that you're in a race. 1 Corinthians 9, I'm not going to read it because I don't have any time, but the bottom line is he says that we are to run a race. And the only way that we're going to run a race to win is if we train, if we discipline. It makes no sense to walk through our Christian life just kind of wondering what our purpose is. Your purpose is clear. You're running a race. And whoever you run into, you engage. And Paul says, if you're going to run this race, for crying out loud, run it to win. And how do you do that? By learning, uh, by training, by discipline. That's what he says. You don't want to be aimless. He even says, I beat my body in order to submit it for the gospel's sake. Jesus himself said it in Luke 9, 57 through 10, uh, 15 or so. He says, hey, listen, uh, come follow me, tells to the crowds. And one guy comes up, never forget it. He goes, he goes hey, uh, I have to go bury my father and then I'll come. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the dead bury the dead. You follow me now. And his point wasn't to be, you know, hurtful toward the guy. His point is, there is always going to be something that's going to distract you from learning how to share your faith. And it doesn't take long. You don't have to go through. They didn't go through any training in the first century. They just engaged people and shared who and what Jesus was to them. That's it. That's what you and I are to do. And this is a new year conclusion. Maybe you've not been doing any of this. You've been ignoring the people running by you for a long time. Well, I think it's high time you start. It's a new year, 2023. It's a good time to start not being self-focused, but being other-focused, according to Philippians 3. And every one of you, that is God's will in your life. Our world is crumbling before our eyes I think if we start focusing as a church on the most important issue of our day, eternity, then I think the world can change. One soul at a time. For those of you taking notes, fill in the blank. Purpose in life is to know the gospel. And if you don't know the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, look at it. Absolutely saturate yourself with 1 Corinthians 15. You'll see it. But it'll take some effort on your part after this is over, not only to go and get YouTube, anyone hear her with casting crowns, but then take a look at 1 Corinthians 15 and just get to know what that says. And that's the gospel, basically. Secondly, in your outline, it is to win some. And in order to win some, you have to share a lot. You can water, you can plant to use the agricultural thing, and some people harvest, but the bottom line is you've got to get involved in the race. And the third one is to run the race because, folks, every one of us is going to die someday, and time is short. We're like a wisp in the wind, and we can't waste any more years. So in 2023... Get able to explain the good news of Jesus to someone who needs to hear it. Let's close our eyes. Bow our head, we'll close. I'd like you, in the quietness of your mind and heart, to picture 
the person who you think needs Jesus more than anything and they're in your life. Whoever that is, might be more than one. And we're gonna spend 15 seconds just praying for that person, those people, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and that you might be a part of that. So 15 seconds and then we'll go. Father, for every name, every face has been brought before you, I pray that you would supernaturally work and reach those people with the gospel that they would turn their life over to Christ and turn their lives around. And for the people in this room, if you could use them, we certainly pray plead for you to do so. Make our lives count. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much for being here and putting up with me. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.